0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and good morning, America. I'm Janet West, and on behalf of Broadcast Beat, I'd like to welcome you to day two of our live streaming show from IBC 2014, brought to you from the TerrorDec stand. Now, this show is happening daily. We've got it tomorrow and on Monday. And during the show, you can also tune in to tunein.com and hear the radio show. And if you Google Broadcast Beat, you can find the link to watch this live. Now, you'll be able to hear on the podcast all the IBC interviews from various folks at the show. Now, Broadcast Beat have just launched their new digital magazine, and I must admit, I'm impressed with it. And you can read it on http colon forward slash forward slash Now, the website, as I said, has links for this live show. Now, over the next three days, because yesterday we looked at 4K, which you'd be able to get in the future, but over the next three days, we're gonna be tackling some more topics. Today, we're gonna to look at broadcasting. Where's it going? What are the challenges for broadcasters today? Tomorrow, we will be looking at post-production. Have they actually achieved the workflow efficiencies that the industry's been so looking forward to? And then finally, on Monday, we're gonna have a look at media asset management. Now I've got a very impressive group of guests so without further ado I'd like to introduce them to you. To my right here is Malcolm Robinson. Now Malcolm is Director of Media and Broadcast Solutions at Broadcast Networks. Malcolm's He's got 24 years in broadcasting, almost same as me. <laughs> and this has been in a variety of business segments, um, from, ranging from war zones, premier international sporting events, and the commercial demanding world of corporate life. Malcolm's energetic, dynamic, he relishes challenges, and obviously being in a new business, I'm sure it is a challenge. It is. He's a passionate and proactive leader, and a proven track record in building a business. So, sitting next to Malcolm, and I'm delighted to have female on the, <laughs> on the panel here, is Gladina Conan who is the Director of Product Marketing at Imagine Communications. Now, Dr. Gl- Gladina Conan lostele is in um, charge of positioning, go-to-market planning, solutions marketing for the whole media software and video infrastructure. Um, She's a business development manager for IPTV and mobile TV in the EMEA region and a key account executive in charge of selling broadcast equipment. Now in December 1999 Glodina obtained a European PhD in electronics from Rennes University in France having spent the first year of a PhD in the Radar and Antennas group. And it's rather interesting because of you females watching this, we're desperately trying to attract more women into this exciting industry. And finally on the sofa, we have Rob Tarrant, who is European Product Manager for Panasonic. Um, Panasonic's professional camera division. And again, nearly 25 years experience and Rob has helped launch hundreds of different products, professional camera recorders, including the iconic Varicam. Now Rob is central to Panasonic's product development and design, and he's been part of the team that helped develop the P2 format, and at the forefront of HD, supporting numerous productions. Now at IBC 2014, Rob is hoping to launch the third generation of Varicam, and he's based in the UK. So, let's get on to the topic of broadcasting. It's an incredibly large topic <laughs> and a very challenging point in the, in the industry with everything that's happening with the internet, etc. What do you say are the biggest challenges that the industry is facing, broadcast industry at the moment, broadcasters? Who starts? Go ahead, Malcolm.
1: (laughs) Um, I think, uh, from our business point of view, we're looking at uh, a lot of live production, a lot of play out systems. Um, The challenge of how you keep the whole thing real with uh, second screen applications coming up, um, the the viewers at home, the generations coming through are used to seeing a lot more stuff on the internet, so it's a much bigger uh, marketplace for them. Um, How you turn that into a commercial offering? um, I think uh, it's great. There's uh, a lot of money in the, the, the prime time sports stuff, how do you make that better for, for the small operations and uh, and keep it real for the guys at home, really? How does that make and How can you make money out of that commercially?
0: Yeah. Claudina, what do you see as the biggest challenge for broadcasters?
2: So without any doubt, it's really the, the convergence between broadcast and IT. And I think it may sound like we've heard this before, but I think right now it's happening. And if you go around the... the the floor here you see everything about IP cloud virtualization and it's no more um, an idea it's actually real and I think the challenge for the industry is not so much to acquire the competence for that technology it's more to handle the hybrid nature of the world we're in where we will have legacy baseband and traditional solution and then a growing amount of uh, solutions based on IT infrastructure and that will be very diverse depending on which region you are but I think for us as uh, key players in the industry is how we help customers uh, go through that that uh, hybrid mode until ultimately it's all, probably an all IP world yeah Rob
3: and for me I think uh, broadcasters has got a, a huge challenge uh, in the years ahead to uh, satisfy the demand for content over a variety of different platforms be it the uh, smartphone generation, the traditional uh, terrestrial transmissions, <laughs> and now leading into the future 4K or internet transmission on there, broadcasters got a hard job. We are definitely followed. We are here to provide the broadcasters with the equipment they need. Uh,
0: time on whatever exactly. you, you want okay so staying with you Rob um, how are we going to be making program how will broadcasters be making programs on what format will they be making programs in the next little while
3: uh, but hopefully they'll be choosing one of Panasonic's formats. But that's a different <laughs> question. Um, that's an interesting <laughs> uh, Well, I think there's going to be, as I said, there's a big demand for content, uh, um, documentary type content, film content, uh, uh, real life content on there. The world is a twenty four seven world on there, and people are demanding to see that sort of uh, uh, content, what they want. <laughs> um, I said <laughs>
0: uh,
3: well, I think there's going to be, as I said, there's a big demand for content, uh, um, documentary content, film content, uh, uh, real life content on there. The world is a twenty four seven world on there, and people are demanding to see that sort of uh, uh, content, for what they want. Um, yeah. There's a huge. Variety, and it's, as I said, it's a challenge for uh, broadcasters to be able to meet that. Um, there's a lot more channels, uh, a lot more want people wanting to view those uh, cha- uh, channels, and um, I don't know. It's a question for uh, uh, for the broadcasters. Uh, We're yeah. happy. We we produce whatever the broadcasters want and whatever the viewers want.
0: Now, on broadcast beat in the magazine, you can actually read about a lot of different products for broadcasting and we've got a lot of new products here at the show. So how does a broadcaster make its decision, particularly in the camera department?
3: I think nowadays the cameras are uh, very similar. You know, the days of um, comparing the camera heads with each other, um, sensitivities and specifications are very similar nowadays. It's, how, it's the kind of the back end and how you can work with them, how quickly you can get the content, Back to base uh, and, and move it to the, uh, to the customer is, is the challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's what's going to develop over the next couple of years. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting time. We're just in a start of a move 10 years ago, uh, fire based workflow. We went through a revolution of moving mm-hmm. from tape based to a fire based workflow. That's 10 years ago, that's a long time. Now I think we're just going sort to of start to see the next move, the move to a media list. Who needs to physically move a content from one place to another?
1: The viewer at home. Um, and I know I've got children, and they're watching the game on one thing, and they're on their iPads and the yeah. phones on the other, looking at other stats mm-hmm. and things. And I think that's a real challenge for for us as, as part of the industry to make sure that um, we're not just going to fall into a stuff that's good enough. We've always excelled in our business. We've all driven the business that's to right. be high definition or four K, whatever. It might be. Excelled in our business. We've all driven the business that's to right. be high definition or four K, whatever it might be. Um, I think to deliver to home. It's about making sure that you, you've got the content right and the quality is right as well. Okay. Um, but you ask us now who's driving the business? It's the consumers at home, it's the guys that are, are watching this, it's the kids, it's the, the guys on the trains. It's, you to watch the World Cup final or the World Cup game and your team plays when you want to. It doesn't matter whether you're sitting on your sofa at home or whether you're on a train or at the airport. We need to be able to deliver that to people. Mm-hmm. They're starting to expect that so.
0: Now obviously a lot of the big events like, as you pointed out, World Cup or Formula One, from a financial point of view, as well as obviously in my interest from an environmental point of view, sending hundreds of huge trucks all the time, what might be changing that? Is there going to be more broadcasters sharing content? Are we going to be looking at fewer cameras, for example, taking a 4K image and therefore using parts of it to um, avoid having that number of credit. Yeah. Tell me what you
1: see happening in the environment. I think at the moment Janet, what we're seeing is that for the, the premium sports, it's not going to change very much. There's an expectation yeah. of, um, of what the guys want to see at home. So they want to see the slow-mo replays, they want to see the, the action shots. What we've seen though is more of a drive to work with uh, the lower leagues, with your team, with your, your clubs and get more data <laughs> for those things in the everyday marketplace. Um, it's things like volleyball or basketball, which are not premium sports, but people still want to watch them. So having a way of doing that for um, uh, to go onto the web or to go onto different formats for businesses there. But I think there's still going to be a drive for the high-end stuff. Um, uh, how much remote production is going to come in? We've talked about that for a number of years. It's been a really hot topic in my area of the business is how's that going to work? There's a lot of pros and cons for it, and um, you know, you can could, you could speak to some of the great broadcasting companies here and they'll all have different views. I think that's going to evolve. Um, I think it'll be very much a case-by-case study. Um, uh, There's still that bit about uh, the guys that are producing the TV want to be on site. They want to be there and see the action. So to have that remote stuff completely for the big events probably never happened, I think, or or would take a long time to change. But for the the smaller games, the more um, uh, less popular sports, I think it's great the TV coverage is coming through. How we do it commercially is a different challenge. And, and also technically, um, you know, we can do remote productions relatively easy now if they're in the right place. But if you're going to remote countries and different areas, it's a real challenge. So it's all about the, the size of the pipes and the size of the, the backhaul back to the, to the country. Um, from an environmental point of view, it's trying to work out that balance. What's going to work in the future? I think it's becoming a bigger question. Yeah. We're certainly looking at it and seeing where it's going to go. Um, but it's also getting that priority for the broadcasters as well, so it's an interesting challenge at the moment.
0: Yeah. Claudina, you, you brought up, when I asked the question about where broadcasting is going, you brought up obviously with over the internet, the cloud, etc. cetera. Do you see the current model that we have for broadcasting with a large percentage of digital terrestrial transmission or satellite changing and becoming more on the internet? How do you see it? Or do you see them living symbiotically together?
2: I, uh, I'm predicting now. Um, <laughs> You're allowed. I That's think, what we're okay, here for. So I think for a while that will remain, but ultimately, I think over the year, when you look at the the numbers uh, across the world, is not the majority. Uh, yes, in Europe it is, and I think there's a tradition of having free over the air content, and with yep. digital, that uh, offering has been augmented, and I think it's great for viewers. But going back to your earlier comment about who's driving, I was I was tempted to say neither. Uh, the consumer or the manufacturers, but the disruptors, the new entrants, and within that, within the new entrants, I would include user-generated content. You know, those, uh, you know, individual people who set up channels. They want to do yeah. it quickly, and they do it without thinking too much. Uh, and where live is less important, I think what keeps the whole industry um, so sort of still uh, very uh, vibrating is live because for live today, we still need the, the you know, the, the best technology. Uh, and I don't think we have yet. Uh, we are not there yet in, in terms of doing it all over IP. So that's the thing. So there's going to be a mix. And there's also a mix in the a, a mix in the business model. So we've got everything. Because well, when you go to the cloud and you start to sort of sell a service or channel as a service, it disrupts the whole business model again, right? So, um, I think this is where we're gonna see some changes, but my prediction is that it's going to be hybrid for a while, uh, but you cannot uh, ignore the fact that there's more than broadcasters. It's a bigger ecosystem. The service providers, the pipe providers are becoming interested, and you know, it's real. They're buying content today. So if you ignore it, it, you're gonna miss out. And so I think rather than opposing the two, I would make sure that we work together Mm -hmm. and we create standards (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and and make it easy for everybody because i think in the end that's how, how everybody wins
0: yeah i was in a meeting at this morning where they were saying we perhaps have to stop thinking about broadcasting and change the name to all casting or <laughs> it, something exactly. else exactly yeah. and
2: i think you're right That's starts there <laughs> do you have any
0: comments on that come back to in a minute uh
3: well i'm all for this uh, the, i'm i'm really uh, pleased to see that there's a wealth of uh, ways to get your feelings, your thoughts, your uh, uh, creative ideas out to the uh, greater world on this. And it's a fantastic. The revolution that we've had over the last few years of being able to get content out there, no matter who you are, for traditional broadcaster or the one-man band in his uh, garage getting out to the yeah. world and passing their <clears throat> message across to it. It's exciting times, I think.
0: Yeah, Malcolm, you wanted to add something. Yeah, I was going to say. I
1: think I think um, the the sort of YouTube revolution uh, just happened over the years, and you have got Netflix and Google TV all coming through as well. Um, it's about giving us choice as as viewers. Mm-hmm. You can kind of look at what you want to see. You can go and search, and it's out there as a media. I think the the quality issue you just mentioned is interesting because I think there's a lot of stuff that is done on iPhones or done on uh, on the fly. Um, it's quite difficult to make sure um, there's a quality bit there's also a bit about should we worry about that because surely what we're doing is an entertainment business and it, right. a lot of it is just is what people are doing it some of the best most innovative stuff is coming from the students that are coming through and just doing it you know they're not worried about the quality so much exactly. they're just getting the content out there. and that's really exciting for me because it's, it's a new engagement mm-hmm. um, some of the interactive stuff of how you have webinars and that sort of stuff going on that's broadcasting that's mm-hmm. no, that's not traditional broadcasting but it's broadcasting
2: we're broadcasting um, now
1: exactly. exactly yeah look at this It's yeah. uh, right there. <laughs> Um, but I think there's also when you look at the news environment. My background was from news years ago. Um, there's a there's a point where it's very easy to get your message onto the television, which could be good, could be bad. And I don't know whether that's how we can ever monitor that. I don't know because yeah, we used to get controlled news, and I think now it, it's much more. Mm-hmm. If you want to put something on YouTube, you can put it up completely unmonitored, completely unchecked. Um, I think that goes across the whole board. I think it's a good thing. I think it gives you an open mind of things, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of changes the broadcast environment isn't it uh, where are yeah. we so it's yeah. interesting times for us i think and how you can monitor things. but it's all content interesting content
0: and it's, if you uh, want news about uh, broadcast products then check out the magazine broadcast beat i want to pick up on what you mentioned about live and at ibc we have the digital cinema and we've talked about the big events we'll still have that with broadcasters mm-hmm. covering it mm-hmm can we see more I mean are we going to in the future be seeing more in the cinemas to me it seems something we've been talking about for so long so you know the operas the are we gonna see Formula One or the Olympic Games in various places around the world on the big screen because that is a, a forum that you know during the day they aren't seen cinemas aren't used around is that something that the market just doesn't want it, or technical issues, or why do you think that hasn't happened?
1: I can put. We, we did some stuff in my previous job at Sony, we did some stuff to 4K cinemas, and um, <laughs> the, the opera programs you talked about there were very, very popular, and made a lot of money. And I think it's about public perception of what they can do. Uh, people aren't used to going to the cinema to watch live events yet, but they're starting to get the idea it could happen. And if you can go along, have a glass of wine, watch the opera yeah. in a, interesting environment, fantastic. It opens that up to other people, doesn't it? Um, technically, not a problem, really. I right. think, depending, again, where the locations are, but um, I think it's an interesting area. Um, and for big sporting events, yeah, why why not change that? So. Yeah. I,
2: I, I do think it has a play. The technology is there, so it's not the mm-hmm. issue. It's more creating the experience and redefining what a cinema is. And I think that's a challenge for those who have those yeah. uh, locations, that it's a great opportunity and yeah. uh, the technology is not the issue. Okay, there may be uh, some investment at the beginning, yeah, yeah. but if they can deliver it that experience to more people, I think that'll work. Mm-hmm. So let's just touch on at the moment um,
0: environmental issues with broadcasting. When I was working at the BBC and my colleague Chigna and Chanderia has done work on the energy difference of looking at programs over DTT versus over IP. And it is more energy over IP. So, should we have some sort of responsibility to the broadcast industry to ensure we retain the current method of delivery, such as when we get flooding and this sort of thing? That may be the only way sometimes we can get messages out, because having been in France when they had the flooding, nothing was working, and all of a sudden you have no method, not through your phone, not through television, to get it, but perhaps some of the old broadcasting things like AM transmitters for radio. Perhaps we have to start looking at that. Can you see any, any thought in the industry that people are trying to consider that? Because certainly in the UK, we've seen a lot of flooding, last, and in the States as well.
3: Well, we all have a responsibility to be environmentally friendly <laughs> and to strive to find ways to uh, deliver our, our product. And that product being news or, or video content in a most environmentally friendly way um, and that's a challenge for everyone I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah. if I knew the answer to that I'd be a millionaire I
2: <laughs> no, and, and I think you're right in terms of uh, over the air transmission and radio AM you mentioned that there's still a lot of innovation going on on the yeah. AM front and I think there's definitely a play for uh, for exactly what you just described there's no other way um, and, and again I would like to say globally in other parts of the world you know those uh, issues are even stronger and that's why, in fact, uh, the transmission market in the region is still very active. Yeah. And should be. Okay.
0: Um, let's talk about workflow in broadcasters. I mean, we've talked about having about 25 years experience, a lot of us, and we've seen format after format, and I think going to the P2 was actually quite good for the environment, so it meant no tapes as such. Um, but broadcasters have got a whole load of files to try and deal with an exchange, etc. Have we got the right solutions for them dealing with um, file exchange in broadcast the operations?
3: The challenge for for broadcasters to to uh, manage their content and be able to know what they got. As you rightly say, is when we move from uh, tape to to uh, uh, uh to tapeless, uh, is that uh, <laughs> we have nowhere to put a, t- a tape label now used to be nice and convenient. There's a tape, there's a labor on it, that's what's on this tape, pass it down the line. Now we're creating so much content and pushing it back to base. How do you track that? How do you know what, where it is, what it is? Um, so the metadata that yeah. goes along with the uh, uh, content is becoming more and more important. And then to, to ease and to uh, get this metadata automatically attached to the content as it's being created, so it's easier to track out through the whole workflow. And to repurpose it as well, because a lot of content is being generated for one purpose. Particularly in some areas like news, it's like the midday news, and then it may be repurposed for the evening news. Mm-hmm. But uh, you want to be able to use that content in the multiple different platforms as well, so on your web, uh, push it down to other areas. But you've got to know what you got. And you've got to be able to get that to that content. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting uh, over the next couple of years as well, being able to know what you've got and repurpose what you've got for other a- areas.
0: And obviously, reversioning for different markets where you, exactly, you yeah. know, one thing may not be acceptable in one country compared to the other. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's think about Rio coming up in a couple of years. What? Might we accept a change as far as broadcasting for the Rio games? We've talked about big events, but let's go forward a little bit.
1: I think I think you're going to see um, Ultra HD, as they call it, whether it's 8K, um, 4K, 8K goes up there. It's really important. Um, I think we saw some of that at the uh, the World Cup, where there's been a lot of um, 8K trials. Um, I'm interested to see whether the consumer is going to drive this business for that side sort of things or not. Um, where they're going to. I think what we talked about there, content. How do you get as much of the different sports on air in some way that the guys at home can get it? How's that going to happen? Um, how do you commercialize that? Um, how do you ensure that the quality is there as well? I think people um, see where that comes from. Back to your workflow question, um, yeah, the workflows are there. There's a lot of companies now that are doing every day in day out of getting this stuff to people. It's, uh, the big question now is, is storage. Where are you going to put it all? Um, yeah. How are you going to make sure you can find it quickly? Uh, where are you going to get it from? And uh, I think that's the, 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 the one of the biggest drivers, is how do you give the ability for the guy at home, girl at home, to actually get this when you they want, want to? And how do you make that work and uh, the availability of all is. So I think for, for Rio, um, you're probably going to see more um, high frame rate cameras, so much more slow motion stuff that's coming through. There's a big push from the, the, the customers there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just more data. Yeah, you can watch what sport you want to watch, whatever you want to watch. But I think we kind of had that in, in the UK when the, in the, the, the last Olympics, there was a, a massive change there about getting the content to the viewer at home. So I think there'd be more of that enhanced stuff of that, um, enhancing your experience with data, with uh, analytics and that sort of thing coming through. So it will be interesting to see where it goes.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, we're going to see maybe the first instance of an all IP world. Uh, when the uh, technology has overcome latency for real life, I think we're going to see some first iterations of that. Uh, Probably not for everyone, but I, I, I can think of a few who could try. Okay.
3: And I also think that technology would help with that as well. There's a load of more different ways of getting video content. There's the Google Glasses that's that's been talked about many times with its ability for wearable cameras. Can you imagine the ability for people to capture their own images and transmit that and get their own mixed perspective to a a major event? So there's huge possibilities with that, I think, as well.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, In the old days, we used to have multi-format rooms. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> for tapes, we've got multi-format rooms for digital now, and how are we going to cope with them? They're virtual,
2: that's the good news. Yeah,
3: it's so virtual, <laughs> yeah. Big yeah.
2: data centers. Big right. data centers, yeah. And, and yeah, as much as the file format was not really an issue, I'm, I'm with you, I think it's a metadata issue. When you look at it from an environmental standpoint, it's not because we can do it that is the right thing to do. And in other words, I, what I mean by that is, we need more unified standard formats in general at all across the chain in my opinion because then we don't have to save all these versions of the same content in different formats yeah. and we're going to think about it because as you put more in the cloud and as you virtualize more the data centers are going to become uh, huge and uh, i think we, we have to be conscious of that and, and make it a bit more efficient uh, so the uh, the technology when it's virtualized it's everything is easy but That's not a reason to keep complexity where it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: About advertising, because broadcasters have relied on this, particularly um, the um, commercial broadcasters. But we're talking about providing, perhaps, channels for the local football team, channels for the local basketball team, and we're spreading our niche markets, so there's going to be a, an enormous number. The fact that that advertising dollars got to get spread right across that, is that going to affect broadcasters negatively or are they going to have to come up with some exciting solutions to attract the uh, advertisers?
2: Well, I think it's a great opportunity and it's our, actually a role to show them how they're going to monetize that differently. Obviously it's going to be different and it's not only uh, the number of programs but it's the number of platforms that also creates complexity in terms of the advertising uh, model. But if you think about what targeted advertising can do to you if you know what that person is looking and it's a niche channel you can have a much higher value uh, advertising uh, being sent to that person so if we do it right uh, i think we can find a way to make it an opportunity uh, again i don't think the technology is uh, is not too far it's the business model conversation that needs to happen but i see this as an opportunity
1: okay. i think um, i think focused advertising and you'll see now even if on the internet when you're searching you know the um the cookies and things are just driving stuff to you um if that turns into the broadcasting world where you start to have focused video advertising, which is starting to come online from there. Um, I mean, personally speaking, uh, I kind of love it and hate it because you think uh, they <laughs> know what true. I'm doing, know what I'm doing and that sort of stuff. But um, I think it's very focused. You know, if, you, if you're if you into woodworking or something, they're showing adverts and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not make it individual? Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I, and, and things like for um, billboard advertising and football yeah. matches and things where you can actually have target advertising into countries or into different regions by clever um, graphics and things, why not? I think the, I think from our personally from my generation, you've seen a, a, a broadcasting business that was driven through advertising to now everywhere. People are I think struggling to make things money, uh, to a c- commercial point of view, um, because of the change. Um, how we can bring some of that money back? You know, for me personally, it would enhance my business. Um, and I think uh, it's got it's it's where that money comes from. How can you drive the business, and that in turn will bring better quality
3: as well. I think that's important Great. as well. So, mm-hmm. any
0: comments
3: on that? Rob? I, I agree with uh, it's it's, uh, how, it's a challenge. It's how to monetize this, uh, how to get that money into your uh, into your channel of this one, and targeting the advertising is certainly one way of doing that uh, within this one, and. Um, Maybe also provide an, uh, a, a another channel of information to go with that as well, and charging mm-hmm. for that uh, ability yeah. Yeah. Um, it, to get that extra information sent to the customers. It's a delicate
1: balance, isn't it, between being too pushy to people, yes. to getting it right as so as information that people want. And I, I go on Facebook, and every so often you get this sort of. Um, hits that come through that are no bear no relation you think you where's that come from I don't want to see that I want to see what my mates are doing yeah. um, so it's a bit of that balance of trying to get that right isn't it? But so.
2: when you put sort of uh, intelligent engines that sort of monitor what you do and learn uh, from yeah. your habits and your likes and dislikes I think that'll become very refined and uh, that can be actually relevant right well, as I mentioned before, if you want to read
0: about a lot of the products, you can read about them on Broadcast Beat. And in fact, this year, Broadcast Beat have announced awards for IBC 2014. And you can see which of the companies, if you check out the magazine, um, which of the companies have won these awards. Um, new products, new technology. What have you seen at the show that is the showstopper for broadcasting?
3: that. <laughs> From my side, it's, 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 I see obviously 4K is, is I've got a presence yeah. here, uh, and uh, it's an interesting move to how to move to the 4Ks and how forecasters are gonna meet that challenge. Um, and also the, the, the cloud is, is starting to make an, a good, uh, amazing appearance on there. And the ability, and, and, and what it can actually offer So not only the broadcasters, but also to the viewers as well.
2: Yeah, play out in the cloud. Definitely something that is a must-see. It's real. Uh, It's no more like an idea. It's actually uh, demonstrable, and we can we can really show it. Okay.
1: I think the um, so far I've not had much chance to around (laughs) the show, but I think. um, I love content and I love the fact that there's a battle now between a number of manufacturers that is driving down the entry-level price to getting good quality cameras and good quality sensors that enable people to go and do the stuff, they can be creative. Um, a yeah, number of manufacturers now for under 10,000 euros you can buy a 4k camera. It's, you know, I never thought I'd see it that day but it's there and it's been driven and it, the, the young guys coming through can go and pick that up and go and do their stuff and I think that's really exciting So you get more content, different stuff coming through, And it keeps the business live, you know, it keeps it relevant to their their markets Mm -hmm. as well. I think the cloud stuff is great, I think um, to have that sort of thing going on is going to just enhance our business as well, so.
0: Yeah, I think image quality has just got fantastic and particularly for doing news, where before we used to get these pretty grainy (laughs) pictures from people if they'd seen a tornado or something like now, we're getting really fantastic pictures from some of the smartphone devices that are a, a yeah. available.
1: But I think that that brings up the challenge doesn't it for the, for the news companies to be relevant mm-hmm. actually they're competing with YouTube now rather than, exactly. you know, than, than themselves which I think it's really interesting how that, like, how that plays out as well. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the broadcasters though perhaps do have a certain talent that uh, a lot of the videos I've seen on YouTube don't <laughs> quite <laughs> have Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk about What's missing in technology for broadcasters? Have we got some missing pieces in the puzzle to make broadcasters function better? You're nodding, Lodina. Uh,
2: to me, it's clear that uh, the capability to analyze data is going to become very important, and not only from an advertising standpoint, but also from, okay, what, what content is relevant? A lot of content, a lot of platform, what are the viewing habits? I think the capability to analyse that data is going to be critical, and there aren't that many in this industry. I don't think there's any focus or any uh, competencies that have been developed to deal with that amount of much amount of data.
1: Okay, I think uh, from my point of view, it's um, uh, it's the delivery of the really high level broadcast quality stuff. Um, there's a lot of talk about 4K and 8K, and great cameras being made and things. Uh, how do you get that to your home? Yeah. How do you keep that relevant in the home? So, it's almost like we've made a jump and everyone can buy a 4K projector and everything, but how do you see it? So, I think there's a link there about getting data around. Um, you mentioned about the, uh, the connectivity of internet and things. Kids are used to their phones <laughs> working and be able to get stuff. It doesn't happen everywhere. It doesn't happen regularly everywhere. So, I yeah. think the, uh, the, the delivery platforms and the, the systems outside of our business here, um, when they can really get the big pipes into your home and you start watching 4K at home, then you get a big difference.
3: I just hope that um, I don't think there's a missing link. I just hope that we don't forget the core of what we're here for, is to tell stories, to tell stories in a beautiful with beautiful pictures. No matter how we get that to the end users, no matter how they, they view it and when they view it, I think that's core cool to our industry is to tell the story and make that beautiful on this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's our, all our jobs is to get that to the end user, be it from uh, manufacturing or broadcasting or creation uh, companies, that's the end game.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I think apart from a few technophiles, the average consumer, they're not particularly worried what the technology is yeah. behind the box. Yeah. Um, they're much more interested in content. Mm. And, yep. how and? and how they get it and how they get it and when. how they get it and when they can see it on and it fits in with their schedule yes uh, exactly so what can we expect rodina at the show from
2: imagine A lot of exciting things, obviously, Uh, ranging from the play out in the cloud, really an end-to-end delivery uh, happening and being demonstrated. Uh, We're also showing how to handle the hybrid world of basement and IP with uh, some software-defined orchestration tools and also um, on the multi-platform delivery side, how you organize the workflows, how you manage the workflows to make it easy. And we announced a great uh, partnership with Microsoft Azure to sort of uh, see uh, how we can help them uh, deliver media in the cloud. Uh, So these are the key things that you can see at uh, Imagine at the show. Okay. you don't have a product, but
0: uh, <laughs> you mean, have a service. Exactly.
1: I think from a, from a system integration point of view, um, we're just trying to keep it real, I'd say. It's uh, looking at what our customers want, uh, from content providers to IB uh, companies and um, broadcasters, um, trying to look at what they can do now. Um, in the next couple of years, technology's great. We're trying to be across that and make sure we're understanding 4K and IP. But also, it's trying to make sure what the guys need to do now, they can do. Um, and. A lot of it is uh, we've got some, some products here or some solutions here that are showing about production capability rather than just technology. How do you make the production work smoother and more efficiently with less people or mm-hmm. less qualified people to get yeah. the content out there more? So um, there's a number of things that they've been showing here. So, mm-hmm.
0: Do we have the right skill sets available with the up and coming generation to support the broadcasting industry? I heard at lunchtime and also looking at a couple of the forums on LinkedIn that the industry is actually struggling to attract good engineers, both male and female. What can we do? Because without the talent, we can't keep the industry going. So do you think there's a problem? And if there is, what do you think we we could do about it?
2: Education is number one. It's our responsibility to uh, make it uh, available so I think we should leverage our own tools in the sense of the tools we deliver to our customers mm-hmm. to make it better known what this industry is about and why it's exciting to be in it and uh, sort of demonstrate what the what the world is in our industry. Uh, it's education and partnership with uh, universities I think is uh, fundamental. Um, indeed in general engineers. Uh, But I think that may be the reason. If we call this engineers, it's more than engineers. Uh, I think you have to be a little bit more business savvy. Uh, You've got to understand the viewer, the creativity part. And if we compartmentalize everything, I think that make it not as exciting. But if you put it together, it's very exciting to be in this industry. And it's uh, relevant to anyone. So we've got to find a way to sell it uh, to to the new generation.
1: I, I agree with that. We, we did quite a lot of work um, um, previously at Sony when I was at Sony of working with universities and students coming in. I, I would actually probably contradict the fact that we're, we're losing people. I think at the moment I'm seeing more younger people come in the industry than I have done in most of my career. There's a lot of universities and now they're doing media courses, they're doing not just production but from a technology point of view as well. Um, I think we're seeing a, a new generation of kids coming through. Um, they're not the traditional engineer we used to have but they're coming from a different background. And um, I'm really excited, some of the uh, 18, 19, 22 year olds coming through to the business, uh, they've got different concepts, different mindsets, um, and I think you are seeing a lot more younger people in our business. But are they in
0: the production side, Malcolm, or in engineering? engineering,
1: Yeah, especially for the live stuff as well. Mm -hmm. I think there's a bit of a resurgence coming through because there's more more smaller productions taking place now because there's more content needed, so therefore there's more people needed, so the companies start to push. I still think we're one of the best kept secrets in the business, in the, in the university side of things. I think that's... Yes. Um, I've had a fantastic career in broadcasting. I, I think, we, think we, we all have. That's why it. we're you still know, here after <laughs>
0: 25 years. <laughs> but, you know,
1: 25 years ago, I fell into it then. I think people still tend to fall into the business rather than a career path. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's something that's... Uh, we could, I think you're right about that, the education and, and advertising is very important, but I think um, we are seeing more people coming through.
0: From a manufacturer's point of view, if you you find you have the skill set to support ongoing business,
3: I believe so. Uh, yes, um, I challenge you when yes, there's a problem with tra- attracting engineers globally with any me- uh, yeah. any kind of man- manufacturing, be it the broadcast or signs or any. Uh, we have a challenge to, to bring people, qualified people into a, in a, into engineering. Um, so there always is, a, a, but. I think with uh, broadcast, we've got that uh, uh, ability because it is a a nice uh, industry to come into. So we've got that attraction to get the right people in, I think.
0: Okay. And one last point on the environment. Broadcasting has an amazing talent. Broadcasters with their content around the world can teach people to dance. They can (laughs) teach people to cook, bake cakes, even fix cars and houses. Are we missing a trick in broadcasting as far as trying to help viewers understand sustainability when we have a global market out there?
2: Yes. yes. I'm seeing nodding. <laughs> I'm seeing nodding. You, you, you do have to create a, a channel um, that would explain what it costs to uh, view uh, uh, the same video over and over again. Uh, for example just for people to realize that at least the first point is awareness um, of the impact on the environment Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we can discuss and then open up the platform and make people comment and suggest things I think we've got to embrace the social uh, platforms to do more of that but first of all is awareness I don't think people uh, think about broadcast to sort of uh, deliver that message other than documentaries obviously um, but but I think, they could, again, it goes back to education, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. OK. Any final points on broadcasting for the next five years?
1: Uh, from my point of view, I think it's a very exciting time. I think to see um, the, the, the the global reach of television now is incredible. Um, I don't know the figures, but I can imagine the numbers watching the, the World Cup final must have been an amazing amount of people who could do it. And you think where you were mm-hmm. 20 years ago, um, that I can see it's still growing. Um, and also how people watched it on phones, laptops, and where they watched it. It's, a, it's an incredible business we work in. And we have to be careful to, to make sure it keeps growing and keeps um, providing the service that we've, we've come to know. So. Mm-hmm.
2: And just to pick up on this, I would see maybe the challenge for us, it's let's redefine what it is and maybe not call it broadcast necessarily. Um, Come up with a new name, hey exactly. anybody, <laughs> send it in to okay. Beat. we'll put the new
0: names for the industry. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and Rob, final comment, where's broadcasting going in the next five years?
3: I think it's going to be an exciting time over the next five years. We're going to see uh, 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 almost a revolution in that, uh, uh, how we create content and how we distribute that content and how people view it as well, right. so it's going to be exciting times I think.
0: Okay. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me on the panel, talking about broadcasting. On behalf of Broadcast BroadcastBeat, thank you very much, Rob Tarrant. Thank you. Claudina uh, kunun Lustellen and uh, Malcolm Robinson. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much for watching. Can I remind you that tomorrow, at the same time, 5 to 6 European time, 11 to 12 East Coast time, come and join us for the session on post-production. So on behalf of Broadcast Beat, I'm Janet West and I'd like to thank you for watching. See you tomorrow.